Welcome to City Square Podcast, where we talk to everyday people about faith and work. My name is Micah. John and I are joined this episode by Emily Herrera. Emily has spent her time planning churches with her husband, John. She spends professional time managing social media accounts, designing websites, producing podcasts, including this one. And personally, she enjoys making sourdough bread, smoking cigars, dreaming and planning about homesteading, among other things. So, <laughs> how you doing, guys? Doing good. Fantastic, man. It's good. I'm That's excited about this episode. What? That was a great intro. It was, <laughs> until you messed it up. How dare you? Because <laughs> we're trained professionals here, folks. Professional. <laughs> So uh, we are going to talk tonight a little bit about some of the women of the Reformation. Um, We had a lot of plans for Reformation Month, and we have executed on exactly one of them so far, which would be this one. (laughs) Um, But Emily's done a bunch of research and reading on uh, some of the women of the Reformation and others, um, women in church history. In the past, and so we thought we would bring her on uh, to speak a little more intelligently to it than we can. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Luther's wife, Catherine or Katerina, or also known as Katie, mm-hmm. and um, also about Zwingli's wife, uh, Anna or Anna. Which one? I've been calling her Anna. Okay. It could be Anna, but. <laughs> This is off to a great start. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm just here to learn from the expert, right? So, <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Katerina or Katie. Um, she, from what I understand, uh, everyone knows her as a nun who escaped, essentially escaped mm-hmm. from a convent. But is there any, do we know anything about her background before that? Not all too much. Um, There's speculation of who her parents could be, but there's nothing that I've found that says this is exactly who they are. Um, She, at a very early age, was basically dropped off to be educated and um, around the age of 16 moved in and became a nun. That was her whole early life that we're aware of. Mm. So... And you said, uh, you mentioned earlier, I think, that she was probably dropped off at the convent around age five. Mm -hmm. Give or take age five. And I mean, from age five to age 16, being taught by nuns, raised to be a nun, um, gardening, housekeeping, medical, all things that come in handy later. But she knew nothing other than the convent. So it was natural for her to go, yeah, of course, I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ and be celibate. Hmm. Uh, So she then from 16, how old was she basically when she left the convent? I have no idea. (laughs) Um, I know she was old enough to basically, within reason, get married. And it wouldn't have been strange to see her on a college campus. as a single woman, it would be, but at the age wise, it was normal. So I would assume she was probably in her mid twenties, but that's a guess. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, so 
what was the catalyst then for like her because obviously germany it's was roman catholic mm-hmm. um and there was this would have been during the beginnings of the reformation um how long do you know how long about the reformation had been kind of rumbling and the things have been changing to when she left the convent Let's see. So Luther would have just been at the university at this time. Um, I'm just going to be straightforward. I'm not a dates person. Um, <laughs> if um, if I could help, what? if I could help with that, it'd be great. But I cannot. I'm not a dates person. I'm a storyline person. But um, mm-hmm. if we need that, I can find it. But um, let's see. She would so- have. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so what had been building up uh, that caused, like, for her to have uh, uh, left the, the convent? So back to Micah's, and I'll answer yours, John. Around 1520 yeah. is when Luther's writing yeah. started to reach her. Um, okay, so that went very yeah. early then. Yeah, because pretty. People know 1517 as, like, oh, the Reformation started. It's, like, not really. Like, like uh, you know, Luther was still very much a Roman Catholic um, yeah. in those early days. So I had just written yet. something on Luther for um, our reformation month that we're doing. And this would have been like around the time that he was, I don't know if he had been excommunicated at that point or if they were still debating on whether or not they were going to outlaw all of his writings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. But yeah, early 1920s. 1520s. 1520s, 1920s. <laughs> yeah, this is... uh, nope, wrong. Um, I'm going to pull up a Reformation timeline because it's, it's annoying me. Oh, you're good. Um, Let's see. It's annoying me that I don't know these off by heart yet. But yeah, 1517 is, of course, the, the theses that are you mm-hmm. know, nailed to the, the church. Um, and then 1521 is when Luther was excommunicated by the Pope. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And okay. yeah, she would have been to... right at 20 when she started actually guessing it. Cause yeah, I found, I have a source I'm looking at and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. She would have been around 2021. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Was did Luther, okay. So did Luther now I see some Roman Catholic apologists and others would like to comment on things. They talk about how Luther was just like, you know, sexually depraved and wanted to have sex. And so that he broke these, you know, the, the horny bastard Luther broke these, these nuns out of, I'm, I'm, I'm kid you yeah, not. That's, that's I'm, a debate. Yeah. Uh, they broke, broke these nuns out cause they were, you know, they were debauched or depraved or whatever. Uh, is that, is that at all accurate? Like what, what's the, what's the story there? So I know at least with this group, that's not accurate. Um, because he didn't even go himself to save them. Um, and honestly, from what I've read, Luther was not anti-nun. He was, be there on your own free will under sound doctrine. And if yeah. that's the direction you wanted to go, then fine. But Katerina and the others that were with her, they didn't know there was anything else. 
And so for them, they weren't there of their own free will. Once they figured out there was another option, they wanted the other option. And so, yeah. So she just happened to be somewhere he couldn't go. Um, I want to say the, the Duke that was over where she was had already outlawed. I can't remember his name. Um, basically would have uh, killed Luther if he would have gone. So he actually sent a friend of his to go and get the nuns out. Um, but yeah, which is actually a goofy story, but or at least I think it's a goofy story, but. So yeah, so how, yeah. How did that go down? <laughs> so the realistic story is that he sent a group of um, fellow reformers that were with the university professors and students, and they actually got a wagon full of fish barrels. And basically at the convent, you could go in and out bringing supplies. And so they brought in the fish barrels and uh, snuck the women out that way. Hmm. And in my mind, I don't know if this is how this actually went down, but I think as a woman, if someone showed up and said, get inside this fish barrel, we're safe here to rescue you. It'd be a little weird. Um, I'm pretty sure they just rode out in the wagon, but you know, the goofy story is they rode out in fish barrels and yeah. So that's how they were rescued. And so that may or may not be true, but (laughs) yeah, I do know that it was a wagon. They did send in supplies there's rumor that it's a, they sent in through fish barrels. Um, but yeah, that was that. Um, where is the quote? I wanted to make sure I got this correctly. Um, yeah, so the reformer that went, Leonard Kopi, K-O-P-P-E, um, is quoted saying, a wagon load of Vestal Virgins just came to town all the more eager for marriage than life. May God give them marriage lest worse befall. And so their goal was we need to save these women and get them married. And so going back to what you had asked, like the goal was get them married, not let's go have a bunch of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And pretty much once this group of women, the way the story goes, um, once they got them back to the university, they actually played matchmaker and found them husbands and tried to send them back to their families, which a lot of them couldn't go back. But one of their goals was find them a husband because they can't have a bunch of single women wandering around campus. And what ended up happening is... Katerina said no to a bunch of men and um, ended up writing Luther and saying, like, I'm done with this. This is not okay anymore. I'm either going to marry a friend of yours who's a fellow reformer or you. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the fact that you would, that people would debate whether or not he's just out there to have sex um save the nuns um is kind of odd especially when most of the stories i've read are how do we get them married well it's a lot of the roman catholics that i've encountered online it's impossible for them to actually be honest about luther um, 
So they have to paint him in the worst possible light. They've there's even I know of at least two uh, Catholic like mystics or you know nuns or you know clergy of some type who've claimed that they had visions of Luther being tortured in hell. So they've got to <laughs> they've got to reinforce man. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You're not aware of this. This is all over, man. Luther is like the most hated, <laughs> like number one hated guy on uh, uh, online with the online Catholics. Um, I mean that makes sense though. It's not, it's not a surprise. It's just yeah, people claiming to have these dreams about him being tortured in hell is just kind of brutal. It's yeah, so it, they they you know he didn't have any good points at all, and he has to be completely discredited and made to be insane. They t- they say that he was obsessed with his own poop, and you know because he made a lot of fart jokes essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So he was just a dude, right? He he liked a lot of he liked beer. He, you know, um, <laughs> he made fart jokes. Uh, I do think it's interesting. I just I looked this up. Luther was he wasn't sure he should get married for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he had actually written kind of against it, and especially he was debating whether or not like to even marry a nun if that was even acceptable. Um, and to some degree later became like an advocate for that clergyman marrying nuns. Mm. But yeah, I think Zwingli was the first to approach the marriage clergyman and being married. And then Luther um, was kind of hated from both sides because the reformers were like, oh, you get married. You're not going to be able to do the same work that you're doing with the reformed. How dare you? Don't get married. Um, but yeah. That's interesting. He so like what caused so what changed Luther's mind? I don't know. Um, I I don't know if I can speak to to that exactly. Um, there's speculation that his mind might have been changed with basically the stance on women in their roles in marriage and whether or not. Um, there's validity to a lot of them. Um, he actually has a quote on that, but, um, for the most part, it would be a testimony to whether or not marriage is worthwhile. Um, that's about all I would, I would know on that, but there is, there is debate that he did get married just to prove a point. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, he decided his marriage would please his father, rile yeah, the Pope, cause the angels to laugh and the devils to weep. So that was it's from funny. a reformer friend of theirs, uh, Roland uh, Brainton, was writing back when he was like, "Should I marry?" And that was actually his response back. Which I thought was great. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> like, so romantic. <laughs> so Katie was about 26, it looks like, and Luther was 41 at this at this yeah. point. That's a big age gap, in my opinion, but it's whatever. Um, But, yeah, so they ended up getting married. We kind of touched on it that um, they were taking flack from both sides, and Luther, to my vague understanding, 
was basically like the woman is in the home and cares for the children. That's, that's it. And that in the most common sense, shouldn't, they shouldn't care all too much about theology and, and all that. And so when they got married, it was, let's put a magnify magnifying glass on them and, and see what happens in this marriage. And um, stuff seems to seems to twist a little bit and that favoritism for your wife tends to come out over time. <laughs> and uh, so a lot of that does shift, but um, they kind of saw it as, or it seems that it was seen as like a litmus test for, can you preach, be a preacher and be married? Um, mm. And actually, that, yeah. Yeah. That was completely outside the norm because priestly celibacy was the expectation. Mm-hmm. So, and I think I, I, I remember reading that Luther was kind of reluctant to get married at first. Yeah. Primate bore some of those concerns, you know? Um, so how did, so there's a big age gap. It doesn't look like, you know, this is a mo- this is not a modern marriage and the fact that they fell in love and, you know, over a period of two years and got engaged and got married and, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, so how did it go? How did their, how did their early marriage at least, or the rest of it go? Yeah. So I know the early marriage was really rocky because there were a lot of, for lack of better terms for me, um, a lot of hit pieces written about her. Um, hmm. and there were actually part of, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of nuns that wrote, um, there's a, oh, there's a poem. I'm not going to read it to you, but <laughs> there's a poem that was written against her called These Covet Happy Nights and Loose Their Happy Days. And it's a, it's a nun writing about her and mm-hmm. she would basically be um, ostracized and, and mocked. And Luther actually spent quite a bit of his time um, refuting those and I'm assuming that played into some more of the work he did um, in that area. But I know he spent quite a bit of time refuting that. And from what I've read, their early life isn't overly romantic. It's something that grew over time. Um, and then some of the stories that I've read about just their early life is Luther was not organized. He was not administrative. He couldn't feed himself, <laughs> couldn't keep himself clean, was depressed. He struggled with depression. Um, and a lot of the administrative tasks when it came to the running of their 40 bedroom, was it 40 bedroom home, um, which basically would have been like a small hotel, um, would have fallen on her. And it did. And um, a lot of the medical care with the university fell on her. Um, just your your basics, uh, medical care, nothing crazy. Um, yeah. But a lot of that fell on her. And she ended up um, taking most of that on to the point that they actually would refer to her as Lord Katie, the Lord over the manor. Um, <laughs> and so she... Uh, would take care of Protestant refugees, um, ex nuns that would come in and stay. Um, they took in a lot of, uh, um, orphan children and, um, just basically people that tend to get ignored. And she had all the hospitality and care for them. 
Um, and then on top of that, she ran a small farm that fed everybody. Uh, found out she brewed beer. I haven't found the recipe, but I hear that hmm. it's out there. Um, which Luther gets credit in the naming of that. It's called Luther's beer. Um, but <laughs> apparently it was her and her recipe. Hey, and she was a Luther. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when people hear Luther, they think him. And so, um, so yeah, she's, awesome. she was, she was busy. And so for the first, probably a chunk, good chunk of their marriage, it was, probably not as romantic as what you would think. And what ended up happening is over time, um, Luther would fall into these bouts of illness and depression, and she would have to nurse him back and bring him back every time. And so you just have a love that grew over, over the course. And so it didn't start there. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that. It really reminds me the description of her what, what would they call her uh lord katie hair mm -hmm. i think the german the german honorific is hair katie hair <laughs> h-e-r-r um and they it's she called she called luther hair doctor yep <laughs> that's awesome lord doctor <laughs> um that i mean that's awesome number one number two like the that really reminds me of the Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was overseeing multiple industries, essentially mm -hmm. a massive, a massive household. When we think about like a household now in kind of our, even if we're thinking traditionally like the 1950s household, yeah, it's like a mom and three kids, right? Yeah. Something simple. House, a household <laughs> of someone who is, yeah, simple. And that's hard enough, right? Yeah. Um, as someone who has two kids and, you know, I'm, I'm home a lot with them taking on a lot of like the, the, um, like cooking and cleaning just because I am, I have, I work from home, whereas my wife works out of the home. Mm -hmm. So we're already not trad. Already not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and yet I take on some of the, uh, more domestic duties because I have more time and availability yeah. to do so because my wife and I are both adults and we discuss things and you know, come up with a game plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow, we can talk about things and make decisions based on common sense. And, you know, anyways, uh, I'm, oh, I'm derailing. Something else right now. I'm derailing. No, no, no. We're talking about something else. We're going back. We're going back. So the, the Proverbs 31 woman managing her household was likely a large household with mm -hmm. multiple children and servants and, you know, business connections and multiple industries. Cause if you think of, um, even in the terms of like modern homesteading, it'd probably be a little closer to the homesteading in a sense yeah. mm -hmm. than it would be. Oh, I'm going to go to the supermarket and pick everything up. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were growing their own food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got, you've got servants and you've got animals in the stables and you've got a, at least a limited number of crops mm -hmm. and other, you know, it might not have been a full farm, right. As we think of it, but there's, there's going to be gardens, there's going to be um, stuff going on. So yeah. 
a lot of that really reminds me of the Proverbs 31 woman. So congrats, Katie Luther. <laughs> she did good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to add another layer to it. Um, so my understanding is Luther was not bad with money, but he basically just give it away. He'd get money and hand it away. And um, I don't know the quote exactly, but basically he would say something along the lines of, I want it to just run through my hands and not stay with me. And so he would get rid of all of his finances to the point that he couldn't pay for his necessities. And so she actually would take over the accounting of their, their, finan- their, their finances in general. Um, and so you just want to add that to it. Like, yeah, how no, dare that's great. She? <laughs> how dare she? Yeah. So, um, and she's actually credited for um, having the finances in place to be able to publish the works that Luther was focusing on. Because it's not like during all this, he's doing nothing. He's, yeah. he's doing something. And so she's credited with making sure the funds were there. That way he could actually publish his stuff. So they speak of there's the potential that his stuff would not have been published if mm. she hadn't been around. But yeah. That's fascinating. <laughs> Um, so on that note, um, what are some ways that she was able to uh, handle and deal with like uh, Luther's various bouts of depression? Yeah, those are, it's odd to say that those are funny. Um, and I probably wouldn't suggest treating someone with depression in this way, but apparently it worked. But (laughs) (laughs) apparently when Luther would go into depression, he would stop eating and stop drinking. Um, And oftentimes would go into the bedroom and lock the door and just lock himself in. Um, And one of, one of which cases he had locked himself in the bedroom. I I don't know if he had locked himself in the bedroom in this situation, but he, he was ill. And at the point of death that they called a physician who said, he's going to die. And she actually, which I thought was funny, I'm trying to find the exact quote here. But um, she asked him, you know, I'm going to make you something. What do you, and you're going to eat it. What do you want? And he said, he wants roast, roast beef, peas, and mustard. Before, and he says, quick, before my fancy fades. Like, you're, you're on your deathbed. This could be your last meal, and you want r- roast beef and mustard. <laughs> I thought that was very odd. Um, would not have been hmm. my choice with peas at that. Um, peas. And so there were times when she, for the most part, forced him to eat. Um, there was another time that is a pretty popular um, one. He had locked himself in his room. And so she called a handyman to remove the door. And so he came in and took the door off. And so he couldn't lock himself in the room anymore. (laughs) Um, Huh. That's interesting. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And then. um, What's funny is she's the reasonable person in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is how you treat someone who's going through depression, but. Well, 
<laughs> I mean, we we can only kind of look back in in hindsight and make our best guesses, but like if that worked, then that sounds more like self pity than depression. Even though I know that he did struggle with actual mm-hmm. like yeah. tough stuff. Like obviously, there's yeah. going to be some level of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let alone you know natural or biological causes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that is that's kind of funny. I mean, forcing routine, you know, yeah. not letting him wallow in despair by himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wisdom well, of the wisdom of forcing something on someone in those scenarios, I don't know about. But there's there is, I know from people who've had struggled with depression or other kind of similar mental illnesses in the past maintaining a routine and Mm -hmm. not shutting themselves off from the world is big. It's not a cure, but it prevent it. And in some cases it prevented them from sliding, you know, deeper Mm -hmm. into the hole. Right. Or, or, or having so much despair that they, you know, that they do something serious. So. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, those points and then she the one i found the most interesting in in not in a good way i mean this was peak sarcasm is he had apparently just recovered from going through a bout of depression had joined them in what i i'm gonna assume is the kitchen but basically came downstairs and found her dressed in black funeral gown kind of set up And he's like, who died? And her response to him questioning his faith was, our Lord must have died because you are so depressed. You are so sad. Basically, to be so (laughs) depressed and sad, God must have died. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. It's a little harsh, but... A little bit of sarcasm there. Come on, dude. Get it together, man. <laughs> chop, chop. Basically. Yeah, those are some of the goofy stories um, there that I know are pretty fairly well known, but it kind of gives you that idea. That reminds me of uh, my wife. She won't listen to this, so I don't, I don't have to um, <laughs> censor anything. <laughs> but early on in our marriage, if I was ever ill, she was didn't know what to do with that. And her attitude was kind of like, suck it up like what the heck <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> she will she'll be the first one to say that like sympathy is not her her love language or you know it's not That's her the, the curse of growing up in the country man <laughs> yeah for real animals don't, don't care like farm animals don't care if you have, yeah. if you're if you have a cold you've still got to get up at four to feed them mm-hmm. milk cows whatever uh how many um I know they ha- ended up having children. Um, how many did they have? <laughs> You're just like finding all the things I don't know off the top of my head. Um, you know, just the, nor- <laughs> the normal stuff about people. Yeah, yeah. Just just the normal. How many children do they have? I don't Because they also focus. adopted kids as well. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, I, so biologically, I'm not sure. I know they adopted children. Um, and here. I know that was kind of an issue when he when he passed is he really didn't leave them much. Um, and so between her and the children, it was 
a financially uh, a financial burden. But let's see. Yeah. Okay, six kids, six biological children. Um, I remember. Let's see. Looks like Elizabeth was the one that was only about a year old when she passed away. Um, Hans, Elizabeth, Magdalena, Martin, Paul, and Marguerite. Okay, and then they they did adopt or raise <laughs> some orphans as well. So interesting. So um, yeah, we're all just like going off into into rabbit trails. Um, so you mentioned that uh, when the hardship when Luther passed away and he died in 1546, I believe. Um, he would have been shoot 62, right? 61 or 62 uh, at that point. So what happened? Yeah. What happened after he, he died? What was her state like? So he would have, she would have been left with basically their whole home, um, all of the same responsibilities. Um, and what ended up happening is she, she, she tried, she tried to keep it going, but she didn't have that financial income. Um, then you would have had the war that came through. Um, she had to flee from their home, uh, attempted to return, couldn't, ended up moving in with um, friends and basically uh, quietly passing. <laughs> um, and so that's not to say she didn't do, she did nothing. Um, and she, she died at the age of 53, but um, she would have, well, she didn't quietly pass either. I'm sorry. She actually was ill. Um, but her older, older in our, in our framework at 50, um, mm. she would have died in an illness, but as he passed after they tried to return and moved in with friends, she, there's not much written there. There are quotes from her and, um, but for the most part, there's not as much. Um, and so she is quoted saying on her deathbed, I will stick to Christ as a bird to a top coat. So the faith never left, even when she, when, what it would have been, what war was going on in 1564. And then she would have had to leave in 1547. Um, but yeah, that would. The Schmalkaldic War. I'm like, I don't. I don't know what that was, but yeah, <laughs> because the peasant there was like the peasants' revolt, which was I think right before they got married, um, or right before she fled from the um, monastery or the nunnery. Um, oh yeah, so this would this would be the the prince's revolt, I guess you'd say. Yeah, man, that was a that was that a was wild time. time. Yeah, oh, yeah, like. People are like, when would you want to live? What time frame would you want to live? I'm like, I want to live now. Nope. Yeah. No, I don't, always I don't, now. Yeah. I don't, I don't die of like a paper cut, you know? Um, 
So you don't have to have like seven kids in order to have two of them reach adulthood. Yeah. You know, man, and thank God for get them later. Thank God for modern medicine, you know? <laughs> but, <sighs> yeah. I am learning and, and I haven't read about an exceptional amount of these women, but it seems as though, and I, again, I haven't read, there's so much more to read, but it seems as though once their husbands pass, they tend to quiet, hmm. um, which I've found kind of interesting. I'm sure there's, there's an outlier, but from the two we're going to go over tonight, that's pretty much what happens hmm. is husbands pass and you don't hear much else from them. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't the same. It wasn't like they could self publish or yeah. you know, write a blog or something like that. So it's, there wasn't a lot of, uh, obviously the printing press was revolutionary back then. Mm-hmm. It was still. Can't um... even imagine what they would think of our state now, you know, instantaneous. Oh, instantaneous communication from around the world. Like the, <laughs> the conflicts going on in Europe and the Middle East right now. It's like, everyone knows everything about it. Including all the misinformation on all sides and all that sort of thing. Yep. Um, anything further on Katie Luther before we move on? Probably not. Um, I'm sure there's a lot out there because yeah. she's one of the more well-known. But those are the highlights of hers. And what um, I know this is either a book or a series of books that you've read on women of the Reformation. What what is that called? So I've got two of them, one of which is the Cliff Notes version of the of these okay. guys. Um, it's going to be a little bit easier of a read, and it's going to be the highlights, which is where I pulled most of this from um, today. The other one comes with a lot more history and predates some of the Reformation. But, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, this one's... This is your textbook that you get to take your your women's of the Reformation theology class if they offered it, or history course if they offered it. Gotcha. That one takes a little more going, and I haven't read their stories in here just yet because there's a. Uh, I want to say there's four volumes of this one, and doesn't cover their country. <laughs> the but, uh, thick book. The thick book that Emily showed, if anybody who watches this is interested, uh, we had to find that one off of uh, Abe Books. Yeah. Abe it's Books interesting. Because it, it, it gives you a full picture. Like if I would if I would have read all of her bio in here, it probably would have given me a breakdown of the wars that were going on, where hmm. exactly Luther was, what he was doing, and all that kind of stuff. But, interesting. Yeah. Um, cool. So we will, we'll link those below or at least the ones we can. Um, if you guys want to check out or if your wives, you know, since 90% of our viewing, uh, viewers are like males 25 through 35 or something like that. Right. Um, if your wives or girlfriends are interested in, or you, you can be too. It's fine. You can read stories about other, about, uh, women um we'll leave those linked below so 
Awesome. So the second one will be, I'm guessing, uh, not as well known. People think, honestly, people think about the Reformation and they're like, all right, you know, Martin Luther. Um, they might think John Calvin, Zwingli, um, at different points. Katie Luther will probably come up if they're reading like a biography of Luther. Um, Zwingli is probably the least popular of the three most primary, or maybe even the least prominent, I would say. Mm -hmm. Luther and Calvin both left behind just tons and tons of writings. And I am, I, I, I'm not aware of Zwingli leaving behind that amount. I'm sure he, he left some behind some, but just not as aware. And he doesn't seem to have as like visible as, as visible of an influence mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. Calvin and Luther did, even though I would say his, some of his theology is alive and well, yeah. but his name seems to have, doesn't have the same like staying power in a sense. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, denominations, named after Luther and you've got theological movements named after Calvin. So less prominent. Um, I didn't even know he was married, <laughs> but he was. Yeah. Um, so who, who did he marry and uh, what's her deal? So he married Anna Reinhard. Um, and probably the reason why you hadn't really heard is one, when Zwingli passes, she just drops off. <laughs> and for the most part, where they were, they wouldn't have gotten as much publicity um, at all. But she actually was married twice. Um, the first marriage was a more well-to-do uh, man. And his parents said no, and they decided against it, and he eloped and got married. Um, and when the family figured that out, they said no more money. Oh yeah. So, um, we talked about Zwingli, probably the least enduring, the least name recognition comparatively. Mm -hmm. Um, and he married Anna Reinhard mm -hmm. in... 1522 it looks like very privately yeah which was kind of her thing because her first husband married privately went off to war to support the family came back damaged died of an illness hmm. um so she basically lived as a widow with her two children and Zwingli was assigned to um, their province and would have been the priest over them. And he took a liking to her son because he was very intelligent. And he actually took time out of his day, not only to serve that family, but to basically feed into her son and paid for his education. And so that's kind of how they got to meet each other is hmm. I'm in care over you and got to know them. And so it primarily started that way. And 
for the for the first portion of what would have been their um, courtship, uh, it was kept really quiet because, again, like Luther, you just you didn't get married um, as a as clergy. You didn't you didn't marry, um, and so Zwingli is actually considered one of the first ones to have gotten married, um, and didn't because he's not as prolific as the others. He did catch flack, but probably not as much as as they would have. Um, now he was accused of marrying her for um, her money and her good looks, and he is quoted saying that she basically doesn't have any money, but she is pretty, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so at least admitted to that part. Um, and so they were they were married in secret originally, and. Um, only a, a handful of friends knew. Of course, that got out. When it got out, the Catholic Church went nuts, or the Roman Catholic Church went nuts about it and threw a big fit. Um, and so, yeah, so it would have been a similar situation, just he wasn't a Luther writing against the church. Um, so, yeah, that would have been yeah. how they kind of met. I really want to kind of learn a little bit more about him now, because, like, he was a Roman Catholic priest mm-hmm. and since they were married in 1522, that's when he was still considered a Roman Catholic priest. Yeah. Like they weren't, he wasn't separated from the church yet or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of want to dig into him a little bit just because, you know, it sounds like he had a, a preaching ministry mm-hmm. and was kind of a political leader. Um, yet maybe not a writing ministry in the same that, luther and later calvin had yeah so which i don't know their involvement when it came to actual the actual war against what would have been the roman catholic army um i'm not sure i'm sure there's a a better name for that or there's an, an actual name but he he would actually go out with those who were fighting on the battlefield for um reformation um with the protestants and so he may have i know when he died that's what he was he was doing he was a clergyman and and so he may have been doing more of that than anything else after the separation yeah so there would have been he would i think he was a chaplain right Mm -hmm. with the what they the swiss protestant army Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And most of the, similar to in Germany, there was princes and, and, you know, um, uh, what's the name, but rulers, leaders over certain areas. And so that was the same Mm -hmm. sort of thing in, in Switzerland as well. So, and I know like when we talk about like the Marlborough colloquy, which is where Luther and Zwingli uh, discussed their theology and, the the hope was that they could unite the various reformation movements that were going on yeah and uh that did not happen needless to say <laughs> there's a new mixtape out from uh lutheran satire that you guys can check out that gives a completely accurate <laughs> not not exaggerated or you know embellished history of that uh discussion so anything notable then about her she maybe we don't have as many details as we do about Katie, but uh, what are some notable things about uh, Anna? 
Yeah, so there's actually quite a bit after they've they were married that um we do know. Um and something I didn't mention about Katie that also works with um with Anna is a lot of times they would question um their husband's theology and would actually sit down and read scripture with them. Um I know Luther has writings uh between about him writing about his wife. And then um, it's actually written of Zwingli's wife that he, he would give her the proofs because he was translating the Bible um, into their language. And so she would read the proofs and read the scriptures with him and, and would discuss them. And um, she basically, when he printed, I think it was printed in 1529 um when it was actually printed um he gifted her a one of the published books and so it was that important for them and i found that very interesting because like i had said about luther is one of his stances was women really shouldn't worry basically don't worry your pretty head over theology um <laughs> but then he would sit down and talk about theology with his wife um, and so there's some, there's some give and take there. Uh, and so you would see the same thing with her and, and Zwingli, but outside of that, um, he apparently was known well enough by the church at the time that he was actually, um, at risk of being assassinated or kidnapped. And oftentimes he couldn't go out at night alone. So if he was at someone's home caring for someone in his province and it became night, he really couldn't travel. So one of the things that she would do is arrange for someone that he knew to be there to basically escort him back. Um, same things with food. There's the high potential of his food having been poisoned. So he really wouldn't eat anywhere outside the home. And so oftentimes it was, you either eat my cooking or risk death. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on with, with her. And they, as well as the Luthers, their home was open to refugees. Um, they often had traveling dignitaries that came through and would stay at their home. And so a lot of that would fall on her because he was often away. Um, and so it was kind of one of those situations where it kind of pushes that line of what should the woman's role actually be? Because if I'm not home as the husband, does everything stop? Does she stop bringing in refugees? Does she stop ministering to our local com uh, congregation? Does she not, you know, entertain dignitaries that come through? No, you keep doing those things. And oftentimes yeah. that did fell, fall in the realm of the home. And so she would take on a lot of those tasks. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that was kind it's, of mid yeah, marriage. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like they are actual people too. And that, <laughs> and that when, you know, in a marriage, it's two whole people becoming something more, not two halves of a whole. Who can't yeah. exist without each other. Um, I found the other half of my heart. Oh no! 
No, you found another <laughs> entire person who you mm-hmm. are uh, in covenant with. Um, there's <laughs> this meme going around. Uh, it's I, it's pretty old, I think, but I saw it the other day, and I think the guy was posting it kind of unironically, and it's basically it's a text exchange. Baby, what's going on in insert place, Middle East, you know, Chicago, Philadelphia, or whatever, you know, something bad is happening, baby, what's going on? What should, you know, what's going on about it? And, and the husbands or boyfriend or whatever, the response back is, don't worry about a kitten. And she's like, okay, yay. No, no. Um, there are some who are obviously joking when they share this. I think it's hilarious. And then there are others who I kind of don't get that they're joking. Yeah. You know, it's like amongst all the gender debate and, you know, the gender roles and complementarianism and patriarchalism and egalitarianism. It's like, we've forgotten sometimes that these are actual people. Like we yeah. are all actual people and we don't There's have to nuance. be, we don't have to be like paternalistic mm-hmm. um, to be a, you know, the husband being a good leader doesn't mean his wife is a, is another one of the children that he has to like parent. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, well, that would be a horrible situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really a marriage. Is it? Um, Kind of dumb, guys. Kind of dumb. There's uh, this is the debate going on, you know, about uh, servant leadership and roles in the home (laughs) and that sort of thing. It's like, oh, so they want to say that, you know, servant leadership is now like a club used to beat men over the head and they can't have any wants (laughs) or needs of their own. And I'm like, I never really got that from the servant leadership talk. I never got that. Anyways, yeah, me either. Some people did, I think, apparently. I think you and I, I think you and I were both in that for a pretty good amount of time, and I yeah. never got that. Nope. I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we just uh, know how to filter things through common sense and wisdom. I guess, right? Yeah. I got that's not to be like arrogant or anything like that, but like there are legit some people who have a hard time with the common sense side of things like they'll hear something and they'll take it to its furthest extreme and mm-hmm. say this must always happen yeah Mm-mm. yeah no that's definitely not the case with most of these guys <laughs> yeah no. there's even a <laughs> twitter or x is not real life right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there is a hilarious exchange that i'm seeing is um, men are saying, I won't argue with women on X or on Twitter. And women saying, I won't argue with men on Twitter. And they'll they'll each respectfully say, go talk to my husband, go talk to my wife. And then <laughs> what's hilarious is when it gets to that other person's spouse, they're like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So like, no. they'll just be like, your call is very important to us. You are 99 in line. <laughs> you are 101 in line and it'll just keep getting worse. Anyways, it just seems like some people are, they want to talk past each other yeah, and, and score points and not actually like engage. But 
Um, all right. So anything else from Anna? Sweet. Um, a little bit. So this is where like, it's hard sometimes to learn about the woman because a lot of times it's written through what the, what their husband's done. Um, and so their story can be definitely a little more romanticized than, than probably Luther and his wife, but because of the danger of his work and the fact that he was a potential assassination target, um, their house was often, um, attacked and there's actually a story which I don't again I don't I don't claim to be the expert here and I don't know um where this source comes from so I'll I'll, I'll link some things where I pull some of this from but um so their house had just had rocks had 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 rocks thrown at it at night and of course her and the children are, are scared and supposedly Zwingli came up, grabbed a sword and like the very, very man's man thing, like ran outside and said, if you've got a problem, let's go (laughs) was in my words. Um, And so there's a lot of this, you know, she did care for him in, in a way of protection, but she's still a woman and there's still those very real fears and she did what she could. And what ended up happening with, with Zwingli is what we talked about earlier. He, he basically went out to face um, as the chaplain with the Protestant army and her son went with him. And there's a whole exchange between the two of them, um, basically him saying his goodbyes and vice versa. And he ends up dying um, and along with her son. And so that tragedy finally makes it back to her and she finds out and she just loses it. Um, That was as, as should be your husband is your rock (laughs) to some degree. Now I say that knowing there's Christ above, above that, but on the earth, we, you know, as wives, we cling to our husbands. And so for her, that was part of her world gone. Um, and it wasn't by, by age or by illness, it was sudden. And, and, um, what is very interesting is, um, this is one of those quotes that I'm not sure about the validity of it. Um, supposedly she had gone back to our home and, and basically said the same, said the prayer that we wish we could all say in that time is God, your will be done. Um, so be it, your will be done. Um, and so this tragedy that had happened got her basically named the weeping mother of the Reformation. And so often, if you do hear her, she'll be referred to as the weeping mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I did find kind of interesting and in just kind of wrapping up her story, because after this, there's not much more to tell. Um, Zwingli had a successor who had been learning underneath him, which this is something that often happened with the reformers. Um, They had a successor who would take in their widows. And you saw that with Luther's wife being taken in. Um, And you can see that here with Zwingli's successor, actually him and his wife 
take her in and care for her and um, their younger daughter. And she basically quietly lives out her life with this family. And from that point forward, pretty much all that's said about her is she went to church and that was her life. And so it is very interesting to see the church. Um, I, that's one thing I don't, I don't think I see the church doing as much anymore is when a woman becomes a widow, she's expected to continue on in her, her life. Yes. The church does a good church. will step in and care and love for her. Um, but some of these reformers literally took them in. And I mean, we see that biblically, but they didn't just say, continue to live here, be home alone, live in your sorrow. They say, come into my household. Let me care for you. Um, That's a completely different mindset than I know what America has, but it is very interesting to watch or to read about. Yeah. I think something I've been thinking about for both of them, it seems like they both and the, you know, the, their husbands as well, like highly valued their marriage, you know, and like worked at it mm-hmm. and worked together to do things, you know, it's like um, Katie seemed to be very gifted in administration and care of the home. They, Anna as well, like mm-hmm. hospitality seemed to be a big theme with both of them. Um, so that's real interesting. It seems like there was, mutual respect and actual like affection um, in both of those marriages. So that's, I think just like one of my mantras, just like, just be normal, just be normal. Like treat your, treat your wife like a normal human being, you know, like. You've been, uh, it's been a plea for your, of yours for like at least a year or two now, man. There are people who make it necessary. Yeah. Um, one of the things, man, that I'm kind of curious, like, with, like, both of these, these women, wives of, like, Luther and Zwingli is being married to those guys was, I mean, it's very, very, very diversely, was very exciting. Yeah. Like, that was not boring. Mm-hmm. It was, like, this action-packed, in a sense, there were scary lives. Um, like, one of the reasons Luther didn't want to get married is because he didn't know how much longer he had on the earth. Yeah. Uh, same with the Zwingli. Um, so not only like are you married to like the world's most wanted at this time, uh, yeah. but you're also like you got these refugees coming in, you got these widows coming in, you got these orphans coming in. Mm-hmm. Like you have all hey, of that going on, and then like your husband's gone, and now it's like now take care of everything. Now like now yeah, but you <laughs> take care of everything. But at the same time, like a lot of like that, ex- a lot of the excitement. And like all that chaos is gone, mm-hmm. and I figure I would assume that there was a it was really hard to adopt to that new way of life. Yeah, um, yeah I would like, be surprised. Like, there's probably like some depression, like some like anxiety or like antsiness or whatever that like they probably had a hard time living like after a lot of mm-hmm. that a chunk of that had been gone. Like I, I've been married for 13 years. Um. And I can't, I can't really imagine life without my wife and kids, Mm -hmm. you know, like 
um, my, my father is a pastor and he lost, um, his wife, my mother, um, six years ago, roughly. They've been married for, you know, 30 plus years. Um, and just me as a, you know, my marriage is in its, in its teens, you know, if you will. And I think you guys are similar, right? Yeah. 14 yeah. or 15, something like that. We're younger. We're younger than that. How old do you think we are? Uh, you, you're like 40, right, John? And Emily's like 29. <laughs> That's weird, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Well, how, how long is it for you guys? A 12? It's been... 12 okay 12. i couldn't remember if you were like a year ahead or a year behind mm-hmm. yeah i think I'm a, I'm a couple years older than you but we've got one year less of marriage gotcha it was interesting man because we were pretty young when we got married yeah so we're by we, cultural was, centers i mean even more so 20 i was 21 so mm-hmm. yeah i recommend it though if you're you know we Should never used it. to have this we never Not used either. to have this extended adolescence that we do now, you know. Right. So, you gotta, if you're a parent, though, man, men should get married to like forty-five. Oh yeah, yeah. If That's you're a high-value man, no, no, no. If you're a high-value man, you're never gonna be married. You're gonna <laughs> swim in the ocean every morning, never have kids, and die lonely. <sighs> yeah. Congratulations, your bloodline has died out. Um, so what we're getting at though is just be normal. Like, I remember. When I was a, like when I was like before I got married and I was I was like young in college and you're like I'm talking to like uh, older dudes just I think trying to soak in wisdom probably knowingly and unknowingly and like every like one or two of them would say is like uh, if something ever happened to my wife I was like I'm not I'm not getting married again it's like I'm not I'm not doing this again and I was like what does it even mean <laughs> like yeah. twelve years into it I'm like I get what I understand what it means. It's worth it, but it's work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my wife and I, we've actually talked about this before. I'm like, I would just, cause I know people who their spouses died or, um, or they've, you know, been divorced or separated or something like that. And it's, you know, starting over. I'm like, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine. I, I, I wouldn't number one, like I don't want to really think about it now that when my spouse is alive, but you know, Back in that, like, I'm like, what would I even do? Holy cow. Like, you know, we've spent uh, a decade and a half just about, well, I mean, my wife and I have been dating and married total for about 16 years, you mm-hmm. know, so that that's almost half of my life. Um, just a little under half of my life now, my lifespan, yeah. which is crazy. And some of these marriages didn't theoretically last that long. Mm-mm. And that was just a testament to how like brutal and short life could be yep. uh, during the medieval period. Mm-hmm. So, it was crazy. Yeah. But yeah, one on the, on the marriage topic. And one of the reasons why I kind of picked these two is this, I mean, their stories would have, wouldn't have been the same if the wives wouldn't have come on board and got on with the ministry. Mm-hmm. Like if they would have, decided oh that's not for me great i'll be a believer and go to church on sunday that's all i'm going to do but your husband is out there you know doing the things that these two did like you couldn't just not join the ministry and that was one of the things 
um, that I know I learned when John and I started the church planning thing. I couldn't imagine being in church planning and not being on board as a wife. There's, and we've met, we've met those couples where the wife's like, oh yeah, he church plants. No, we church plant. <laughs> We're doing this together. There's yeah. this, I don't understand how, how that would function. And like, if, if one of their wives wouldn't have been on board with opening their homes up to refugees and orphans and widows and ex nuns and, I don't think their ministries would have been as impactful as they were. Yeah. And if the wives would have been like, well, I can't do anything without you around. And Zwingli didn't go where he needed to go. And Luther, you know, didn't serve in the ways that he served. I mean, he traveled when he could. Um, It would not have, we would not be where we were, but these women married these men and said, yes, I am about this stepped on board. It's insane. Yeah. It's a crazy time. Thank God for them. Um, I mean, who, you know, where would the reformation, where would modern churches be now? We all know there's a lot of problems. Um, and mm-hmm. some of the fruit of the radical reformation, like the Anabaptists who were, you know, heretics essentially in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, there's some bad fruit of that tree at this point, but when it comes to more magisterial reformation, um, without Katie Luther, you know, where would Martin have been? I don't know. Yeah. A dead sooner and writings not being published. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Um, (laughs) On that note, this has been wonderful. It's yeah. been great. It's been great. <laughs> it's always it's always Yeah, any other thoughts before we wrap up? No, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Allergies, man. They're kicking my butt right now. That's yeah. pretty rough right now. Yeah. It is fall. It might be fake fall in Texas. Um, yeah. but it feels like fall for the first time. So <laughs> mid-october fun times um man this this has been interesting what were you gonna say john oh nothing about you nothing (laughs) don't speak quiet over there (laughs) yeah well i mean like emily and i talked about this beforehand so like i'm not kind of in a weird spot so i'm like so i'm not the we didn't bring Emily on here for me to like talk for me to talk with women of the Reformation. So like I'm just trying to like <laughs> pipe Take in where I'm like, it. don't yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not pretty about this point or that point or that kind of thing. So like yeah. I appreciate that. It's all good. So close us out, man. Well, thanks everyone for watching. Thanks for watching. Not everyone, but you. You specifically. Yes. <laughs> and you we- who have not watched, we don't thank you at all. If you enjoyed this type of content, then please like the video, share it with somebody who would be interested as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or another podcast platform, then we would appreciate a review, especially if it's five stars, four and five stars. Yeah. Anything lower need not apply. Don't even bother. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does help us out if you guys would be willing to review us or 
give us a like or a subscribe on YouTube. We're also on Rumble uh, and Odyssey if you prefer alternate video platforms. And we are on Twitter, formerly or X, formerly known as Twitter. Some of our, our videos go up there as well. So until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We'll see you later.